nothing about her past. She had no lingering issues, only sad reflections, mainly about the baby she had lost and the secret she was keeping from Kitty, a secret that would shatter her. The father of Beth's baby had been Kitty's adored older married brother, Stuart. The pregnancy had brought the affair to an end. Stuart, fearing that a scandal would ruin him, and Beth had not wanted to hurt his young family. Ironically, months later, Stuart's wife had left him and their two children for another man, and Stuart had tried, through Kitty, to wheedle his way back into Beth's life, asking if he could come down to Cornwall, where Beth had decided to settle down. Beth had put off the suggestion firmly. Having found strength in her new life... She had had no desire for a weak man, and she wasn't going to be second best. She had reflected that it had been selfish and wrong of her to embark on an affair with a married man, and after her years of unjustifiable resentment towards her mother, to be careful in future of the judgments she made. Beth had sold her property in Wiltshire and bought a cottage locally, but she stayed at Owl's house most of the time. She continued looking out of the sitting-room window into the blustery grey October day for the taxicab ferrying Kitty from St. Austell Railway Station. Beth already had her coat on. She would hurry outside and cry excitedly, "'Welcome, Kitty! I've been so looking forward to seeing you again and for you to be back once more to share in the magic of this place.'" Part of the magic Beth had found here was the impressive, wisteria-clad, mid-Georgian house, the mighty, rambling cliffs sheltering the fishing cove below, and the waters of the bay were not, as her tormented childhood view of them, desolate, lonely, and menacing. Instead, everything, including the tangy salt of the sea and the endless views, were enchanting, trustworthy, and soothing. Beth had everything she wanted here, she had a relationship with Ken Tresail, landlord of the Sailor's Rest, the uncle she had been denied access to because her father had fallen out violently with his family. And there were two special people she had not known existed before. Joe Vivian, her younger half-brother by her mother's late second husband, and her older half-sister, abandoned by Phil Tresail, adopted fisherman's daughter, Evie Vage. Presently, Christina was attending a social committee meeting at the vicarage and Joe was at school. The daily help, the cheerful Mrs. Rousset, who lived down in the cove, had left an hour ago. Normally, Beth would have gone with Christina. They did almost everything together, but Beth was waiting for Kitty's arrival, alone. And for some odd reason, it unsettled her almost as if it was a portent that something bad was on its way. That's daft, she said aloud. Don't be silly. Yet a shiver seared up her back and made her glance over her shoulder. Had it suddenly gone cold in the spacious room where a log fire crackled and hearty flames soared towards the chimney, or was she simply imagining it? All was as usual in the room, the furnishings, a careful blend of arts and crafts and gentle lines. The tall windows were allowing plenty of daylight in, and there were no shadows. 
Carlton Ware vases were filled with russet, gold and cream chrysanthemums. A French brass carriage clock ticked softly on the mantelpiece. Something wet pressed into her hand. Oh! Her heart lurched and beat wildly. She looked down, ready to thrust something dreadful off her hand. Then she was laughing, feeling foolish. Oh, it's you, Chaplin! It was Joe's handsome German shepherd. She wasn't alone in the house after all. She crouched down to hug Chaplin's broad neck. I'm such a silly to have forgotten you were here, faithful old thing. Such a silly to have taken fright of you, and really daft to get the chills over absolutely nothing at all. And if there were any ghosts here, you'd have growled and seen them off, eh? Ghosts. Why on earth was she thinking?